It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, Certified Nutrition Specialist, and I'm proud to say I am and I have been since 1996 licensed as a nutritionist in the state of Minnesota. You know, Minnesota is a very progressive state because over 20 years ago, they not only licensed dietitians, but the Nutrition and Dietetics Board chose to license nutritionists if they have a master's degree in nutrition. And I was one of the first nutritionists to be licensed. You know, I have a great deal of respect and value for my license, so I make sure I have sufficient continuing education credits every three years, and of course, I pay my yearly licensing fee. Oh, that's yearly licensing fees. (laughs) I get that in on time. Yes, on time. I'm a registered dietitian and licensed dietitian, and I'm also proud of my Minnesota state license to practice nutrition as a dietitian, and we both work for Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We both agree if you practice nutrition, you need the educational background, pass some very difficult tests. And pass those tests. (laughs) I still remember. (laughs) Be professional and, of course, be licensed. The state law clearly states that non-licensed people cannot give out nutrition advice to clients unless they are working directly under a licensed nutritionist or dietitian. And I don't think people realize that, Stephanie. That that's really legally they can't be doing that. Absolutely. So, you know, why do we have these laws? It's all about protecting the public. I mean, I can tell you how many meetings I've gone to, and I've heard this. We are protecting the public. Yes. You know, and I believe one group of people we need to make sure we protect are children and adults with autism, because it would seem that especially children with autism have some unusual eating likes and dislikes, and they have a lot of nutritional needs. So we need to protect that group of people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So today we want to give parents and caregivers a new insight to some of the possible reasons that one out of 100 children have some form of autism. You know, we have this number, one out of 100, one out of 66. 66. Mm-hmm. You know, actually in Minnesota, I just read that one out of 33 boys will experience yeah. autism. Yes. Wow. So we have to say, what is happening? Wow. You know, when I was teaching special education during one of my many careers that I've had, um, I had one child in my special ed class that was autistic, Mm. you know, one. And but when I taught fourth grade in Eden Prairie 50 years ago, (laughs) 52 or 53 years ago, I didn't have one child with autism. Wow. Not one. Well, and I'll just say back in 1999, when I started um, with the kids, it was one in 250 children mm-hmm. with autism. So it's quite a jump from that to one in 33. Right. It's amazing. So there is something going on, mm-hmm. but no one seems to know exactly what that something is. Right. Mm. You know, just like Alzheimer's, this is another epidemic of serious brain dysfunction. And that's, I think we have to get that point across. It's a brain dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yes, and two weeks ago we discussed the serious epidemic of Alzheimer's, and this week it's about the serious epidemic of autism. So I am so excited about this topic today. 
that actually, I kind of forgot to introduce our callers, <laughs> but they started talking anyway. Yeah, yeah we don't. <laughs> you know, first, you heard Stephanie talk. This is Stephanie Skiba. Skiba. Yes. I'm going to get it right. <laughs> so, he is a licensed dietitian, and she's been working several years, and now she works with clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and she's at our Mendota Heights location, and in Lakeville, and wherever else I have oh, it. Thanks, a Star. lot of places. Yes. <laughs> I teach many nutrition classes at companies, nonprofit groups, and I teach our weight and wellness series at the Nutritional Weight and Wellness offices. So also joining us as a special guest is Kristen Gunderson. And before she started at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, Kristen, how many years ago was that? 2008. Okay. <laughs> she, you know, as she, she's a nutrition educator, and but she was a behavior specialist working with children with autism. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen, you understand and get behavior, I yeah, know. Yeah, and I sure do. I, I get that the behaviors we often see exhibited by kids um, and oftentimes adults with autism that folks might um, see as a negative behavior are coming from something that's going on internally. Obviously, maybe they can't communicate something and they're frustrated. Um, oftentimes, it might be a fear or an anxiety and I just have never been able to climb into their brains and figure out exactly what it is. But I do know each and every one of them is very different and very individual. But there are some um, commonalities that we want to talk about today. And I do want to point out to everyone listening that each one of us on the show today, we've had long-term experience with um, children with autism. We're not new to this topic. We're not just jumping on some kind of bandwagon. So we want to make that pretty clear. Yeah, my um, experience with autism is my last research paper and presentation in my dietetic internship was on autism for a case study of my next door neighbor, still a dear friend of, of 20 years. So I'll be adding little tidbits in between. Oh, that's how great. Experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody knows that I've, you know, not only was I a special education teacher for many years, but so as that, you know, as the years went by, we ended up getting a few more people with autism in our classroom. But also as a nutritionist, right. we've worked with a lot of people with autism and it makes a difference. Absolutely. Food makes a difference. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So, you know, Kristen, you were talking about fears. Yeah. And so often we sense that fear, or at least I kind of sense that fear. But we know that they just don't know how to express it. Right. Well. Frankly, I find it difficult to express fears, too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This microphone, I was fearful for the first five years doing Dishing Up Nutrition. Mm -hmm. Did I tell anyone? (laughs) No. (laughs) Maybe a close friend or two. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's kind of how the brain of a person with autism works a little bit differently. They they don't have that filter. They they are very honest with their feelings, but it it might manifest itself in a behavior, Mm -hmm. um, acting out screaming, hitting a table, something like that, which you were able to contain (laughs) and did not do that. In public. Yeah, in public. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, again, maybe the behaviors that we're seeing exhibited are the result of that internal stress just becoming an outward expression, but it also is not helpful that a brain without the correct nutrients might also be coming into play. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So they may be lacking certain nutrients mm-hmm. or experiencing a genetic disorder or the brain may be exposed to environmental toxins. I mean, we're not sure. It's it's still a big puzzle. You know, it would seem as though the recipe for autism is a combination of that inherited predisposition 
and a severe environmental insult. You know, and it often happens before the age of three. You know, we always hear this one to three is when it pops out mm-hmm. for many, but not all. Right. Sometimes it's at birth. So there are a number of theories about the cause of autism, just like there has been a number of theories about the cause of eating disorders. You know, if you're my age, and that not probably not too many people out there listening that are my age, you know, I'm sure you can remember the cause of both autism and eating disorders at one time was blamed on poor parenting. Mm-hmm. Sad. Isn't that? Yeah. That's just really sad. They used to call them refrigerator mothers. Saying they were cold yes. and they weren't giving enough affection right. and that's what created the child having autism. Or an eating disorder. Right. So experts, you know, these quote yeah. experts, they couldn't figure it out. So who did they blame? Right. They blamed the parent or they blamed the victim. Hmm. Really pretty sad. We've mm-hmm. come a long way. Yep. So we're finally getting some science now that is helping us understand and actually help people. <laughs> that's the key yeah isn't so, that nice right yes looking at new research from the scientific researchers they've determined that the brain is directly connected to the immune system by vessels we previously didn't even know we had mm. this study was conducted at the university of virginia school of medicine and these researchers believe the result of this study could affect understanding and treatment of the neurological disease ranging from autism to Alzheimer's to MS. Stephanie, that's kind of an interesting thing that actually this, this is really, really current, new, very right. new research that our immune system is connected to our brain. Yes. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So what they're really saying, because of all this new research, these textbooks that we see in college will have to be rewritten. Oh, yeah. It's a fundamental change in the way people look at the central nervous system in relationship to the immune system. You know, I think as nutritionists, we've been kind of talking about, we always talk about how do we get your immune system to work better mm-hmm. all the time? Well, you know, you know, how do we help you eat better to have a better immune system? So now it makes so much sense that it's being part of the brain research now in our immune system. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So understanding the cause of autism, um, the science, all the new information is great, but we know parents, advocates, school staff, they all want to know what can I do to help my child experience his or her environment with less fear. Um, as a behavioral consultant, I just wanted to know that. I mean, I just, what can I do for these kids? Their day to day existence has to be made better for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to help them communicate in a more effective way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, as nutritionists, you guys, what do you do? I know, Dar, you love a challenge, but what's the reality here? Well, you know, as a nutritionist, I always say food first. (laughs) I've never heard you say that. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But, you know, how do you overcome that added barrier that many kids have with autism in that they're picky eaters? You know, I mean, they're, you can put a food plan out for them, but it just might not be reality for them or that family that that's going to happen. Uh, maybe the only meat that they eat is a chicken nugget, you mm-hmm. know, and um, <laughs> we all know that those nuggets are chock full of 60 ingredients, but they're full of chemicals mostly, um, partially hydrogenated oils, all that. We're going to come back to this point here, um, but we need to take a break. 
So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a nutrition company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and counseling. And if you've just tuned in, we wonder where have you been, but <laughs> we um, also might say, you know, you might be thinking, who the heck are we? Who's Nutritional Weight and Wellness? Well, little background here, NWW started with DAR and her son, Corey, about 20 years ago in a very small office in St. Paul. Um, now they have grown to seven offices with 13 dietitians and nutritionists seeing clients individually and teaching classes. Um, we also have nearly 40, 40. Th- yeah, 40 nutrition educators that are teaching and training over 36 classes weekly. And, of course, a large support staff who we really appreciate. Um, we have four very popular online classes. We have this, our weekly radio show, Dishing Up Nutrition, that is now, this is amazing, uh-huh. downloaded by over 400,000 people monthly all over the world. Now that's, that's amazing. That knocked me on my feet. Um, <laughs> we also I just want to touch on quickly, you know, we have a professional line of pharmaceutical grade supplements and Dar and Corey are very picky about the supplements that we carry. And I just want to mention quickly that we currently have a sale on our DHA. That is a, um, very good healthy brain fat. We have mm-hmm. 15% off for the month of, uh, month of April because it's autism awareness month. And we have seen great results with our autistic clients using DHA. And in fact, Kristen, you were sharing with me yeah. that you've actually seen that personally. Yep. I had a client that I worked with in Lakeville and he, improved his vocabulary i would say by 50 percent when he started taking the dha consistently which is which is a healthy fat it is yeah it's a healthy fat and he was 17 at the time a lot of people didn't think that his improvement level was going to go any higher and it was it was amazing so um let's see we want to make sure you guys have our number here it's 651-641-1071 if you have questions Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. 17 years ago, Barb Brennison and Dar created this amazing class series called Weight and Wellness. It was way ahead of its time in concept and research. Some research today is just catching up, such as good fat is good for your brain, good for your joints, good for your heart, and good for weight loss. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we have been teaching people to eat good fats for 30 years. It was and is the correct message. And one of Dar's goal is that everyone take the Weight and Wellness Series. I like it. (laughs) Either the Weight and Wellness Series or the Weekend Series. The next Weekend Series is the weekend of July 16th. So please call 651-699-3438 for details. Or you can go online at our website, weightandwellness.com. And nurses get 14.4 continuing education (laughs) credits for the class. So we had, a, I think, Kristen, we had a couple of people that, Left messages. They didn't want to be on air. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of questions. Yeah. Should we kind of address those or? Yeah. Someone had wanted to know if there were statistics um, connecting vaccinations to autism. And you, you had a good response for that. Well, I think, you know, we don't know. I mean, that's basically what the message is. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear a lot of different things. You know, low vitamin D, there's a connection. You know, uh, exposed to a certain chemical, there's a there's possibility, but there hasn't been enough research really to conclude that that is the cause. I know myself when my kids, but you know, my kids are like in the late forties. So when I was having them vaccinated, 
They did it very slowly over many months, mm-hmm. one at a time. And that just makes some sense to me. But the same thing is you should have your vitamin D level checked. And if mom has a very low vitamin D level, it should be corrected. So there's a lot of things that I think we can do preventatively mm-hmm. that we should be doing. <clears throat> right. And nobody's doing it. Right. Because nobody knows. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we have the show today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then we had a question on polycystic. She wanted to know if we had a class um, that talked about polycystic ovarian system syndrome. Well, uh, the closest class was the one that uh, Joanne and I are teaching on menopause, which is kind of perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. And that's coming up on July, June, June 11th. 11th. Thank yeah. you. Yep. So that would, we address some of the issues of why that happens, but I think an individual appointment, Mm -hmm. because each person is a little bit different. Right. And there's not one reason for sure. So we have to look at each person individually and divide the right program for them to reduce that excess, uh, well, it's excess estrogen. Estrogen, yeah. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so there we are. There we are. Okay. Well, one thing we know is, good for everyone across the board is to not have the chicken nuggets that we were talking about previously. (laughs) That would be a plan for everyone to not be on those. So again, full of uh, chemicals, the partially hydrogenated soybean oil, MSG, things I can't pronounce. Um, I've seen kids with autism and even typical learners just behave horribly after eating something like that. Not necessarily immediately, but you can see the effects of it's something that agitates the system. It agitates the brain. Yeah, agitates the brain, irritates the brain. You think of the calming fats as something that soothes the body, and these are things that really ramp it up and irritate it. You know, like I said before, we always say, as nutritionists, we always say, food first. Mm -hmm. And we know mom and dad can make our healthy chicken nugget recipe from our weight and wellness cookbook. I've had them do it many times. (laughs) But their child with autism will not eat them. So... That's not where we start. Right. We have to start someplace else. Well, let's start with an appointment with a nutritionist because after working with picky eaters for several years, we have come to realize we have to start with the intestinal tract because that's where cravings come from. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I know firsthand you can't force a child with autism. You can't really force any child to eat something they just can't tolerate. Right. Um, and especially with these kids with autism, they typically have a lot of food sensitivities. And I don't mean, you know, we will talk about gluten sensitivities and things like that, but they have text texture sensitivities mm-hmm. and the things that they can't touch or, or feel in their mouth. And they're very intricate feeding programs that can take a kid 95 steps to go from pudding to eating pureed vegetables. But think of that, Kristen, yeah. 95 <laughs> steps. Yeah, I've seen to it. To go from it's one little exhausting. step to the next. Yeah. Well, and that's how baby steps work. And that's how in our classes, I, yeah. I really talk about Absolutely. baby steps because a lot of times that's how we can achieve a goal. But, you know, after working with these kids and their parents, I know on top of that, though, maybe while working on a feeding program, we do need to address those serious digestive issues. Yeah, Kristen, your research has found lots of GI problems, and we know that children and adults with autism have acid reflux, constipation, poor or incomplete digestion, gas, sometimes diarrhea, poor appetite, and lots of food sensitivities. So if we think about this logically, it seems that these kids, they get locked into a few foods that maybe they know doesn't hurt their belly. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of amazing how those crazy chicken nuggets don't hurt their belly. <laughs> but maybe it's got so much MSG in it that I don't know why. But yeah, they, I don't. They know it. I don't know. I had one little guy that I worked with that would pound his belly mm-hmm. and and laugh though, like it was a um, perseveration. And mm-hmm. I'm sure his belly was uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it just became sort of a behavior um, that he would get attention for. And we know we can learn to lessen the fear of eating that, but again, we need to to really work on that gut to calm it and make it less painful. Mm-hmm. Right, good point. And uh, a study about gluten sensitivity and autism, 500 autism cases show that 85% of families going gluten-free reported major benefits and improvement in their children. And I saw that, number one in my case study, going gluten-free, she went from nonverbal to actually being able to talk. Wow, that's fast. amazing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of... Um, when I was working with the kids, it was talking about leaky gut syndrome, you mm-hmm. know, and then um, the gluten casein free diet was a mm-hmm. that was kind of the it seemed like some families were really on board with that or they were doing the opposite, the McNuggets and the, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So 85 percent in the study, Stephanie said it got better. So what do people have to lose by doing that gluten free maybe for three to six months? Maybe all they have to lose are some fears and behaviors. Right. It sounds like a good trade-off. Yeah. You know, for the last 50 years, I've had a special interest in helping, well, people, but especially children with special needs, feel better. And even before all the research on gluten sensitivities came out, I found if I removed things that wheat, you know, grains, and their allergies and their behavior got better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's just like, that's what a nutritionist does. Well, and it's like we were talking about before. You you had a fear. You were able to sort of deal with it internally. But these kids, if they have something going on that's painful, they're acting out. Mm-hmm. So you take that out of their diet. Their stomach feels better. Their intestinal tract is calm. They can... Um, communicate in a more appropriate way and maybe not be grabbing you to tell you that something's wrong or, right. you know, it's just amazing. Mm. I, I bet that's because children with special needs and children with autism are known to have an impaired immune system. And that kind of goes back to that mm-hmm. research. Right. So mm-hmm. at the top of the hour, we shared new research that has found the immune system is directly connected to the brain and nervous system through vessels we didn't even know we had. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there must be some sort of connection between food sensitivities and the impaired immune function. So parents, if you're listening, for sure, we know removing grains, especially the gluten grains, but I think all grains, helps many children with autism feel better. And again, they have less fears and their behavior, like Kristen just said, is better. Yeah. They're not so fearful. Yep. And I know most of the parents that I previous work with did everything they possibly could for their kids. And some of them did the gluten and grain free. Um, some of them had great results with that. And I think some of them, maybe if they would have understood how much of an improvement it could make in their children, they would have gone that extra mile too. And it would have been less stress on the family, the, the school staff, um, but really, where would they have been getting this information back then? I know it wasn't coming from me because I had no um, inkling that I would be working in the world of nutrition at mm-hmm, that point. Mm-hmm. But we were using as reinforcers things like 
Skittles and Swedish fish mm. and goldfish and French fries. Uh-huh. So all the things we're trying to elicit better behavior and learning out of these kids and we're feeding them the exact things that are impairing that and it's it's so frustrating to think about that now um just knowing what i know mm-hmm. but now we're on a mission to get this information out to more people i'm unwinding all the damage oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's time for another break you're listening to dishing up nutrition during our last break we were sharing a little bit about the growth of nutritional weight and wellness we do continue to grow and serve clients. Darcy's clients, um, she says it keeps her grounded and she gets to know what people need and she stays in touch and she just loves to problem solve and help people. Her son, Corey, is in the office almost every day and he is kind of our IT department on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> His main job is to keep everyone happy, the clients, the insurance people, the government, um, Dar has more fun, yes, she I says, <laughs> than he does. His job is a little more stressful, are you saying? Yes, it is. But he's got to make sure everything's legal and upright. That sounds a little more more serious. Um, and he works with 60, at least 60 women. <laughs> yeah. He's the lone man in a sea of women. Job, <laughs> Poor guy. It takes a special person to do that. Um, so thanks. If you guys have questions, 651-641-1071. I am Stephanie Skiba, registered and licensed dietitian, and here in the studio with Kristen Gunnarsson, nutrition educator, and Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and we are discussing nutrition connections and many solutions to helping children and adults with autism feel better. You made the commitment to yourself that you are going to eat better. We know that this spring and summer, it's a lot easier with the fresh vegetables and farmer's Mm -hmm. market, of course, to eat better. And farmer's market open today. Yay! Yes, so we encourage you to sign up for one of our Nutrition for Weight Loss series starting the week of May 16th and going to the beginning of August. Weight loss is all about eating better. At the same time, wellness and feeling good is all about eating better. All about eating better. Absolutely. And they could spend the whole summer with us. Yeah. They could. Yeah, <laughs> how lucky. And yep. we would really be saying food is first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we were talking about children with autism. And we know that there are many children with autism that are gluten sensitive. And one study said 85% of children with autism did better when they followed a gluten-free eating plan. That's a lot of kids. They did better. Maybe they weren't perfect, but they did better. So if you or your child has gas, diarrhea, intestinal cramps, and discomfort, maybe there's another culprit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is dairy products. Mm-hmm. That could be the problem. Yep. And so that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the gluten and casein-free diet. But when you put together a Dishing Up Nutrition Show, Dar, you mm-hmm. always dig up some interesting facts. Mm-hmm. And being dairy sensitive affects a lot of people. You know mm-hmm. what happens? Mm-hmm. I can be walking by my bookshelf and that book will fall off the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's what happened with this one. Really? Oh. I know. And I said, ooh, I think I better look at this one. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And it opened up to the right page. (laughs) Yes. Right. Uh, um, So it it does affect a lot of people, not just people with autism. Some folks are lactose intolerant, which means you can't digest the milk sugar. And some are casein intolerant, and that's referring to the protein in milk, cheese, yogurt. So listen to this research. 78% of people with Jewish ancestry can't digest dairy. That's 
That's almost 80% right. of them. Yes, that is. 70% of African Americans cannot digest dairy. And I think we've pretty much known that mm-hmm. always. 83% of Native, Asian, and Mexican Americans cannot digest dairy. I didn't know that. Who can digest dairy, Dar? I wonder. I'm just curious. Just babies, right? Well, babies and cats. Probably Northern European, you know, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. 10%, 15%, right? <laughs> but think of all the kids, though, that drink milk at lunch and they have a tummy ache all afternoon. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. A lot of kids. Hard to learn when you have a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> with so many people with dairy sensitivities as nu- nutritionists we recommend no dairy products for children with autism no cheese no milk no yogurt and especially no cereal and milk for breakfast and i don't <laughs> think anyone should be having those we want to calm down the intestinal tract so at the same time to calm down the brain and that was huge in my case study of going gluten-free first then casein free and i remember Looking in the fridge in the 80s, like, mm-hmm. what's coconut milk? What is this? What are you guys doing? So, and they had really the, improved, yeah. right, ahead of the game. Well, and now just thinking back to that little guy that I was talking about that pounds his tummy, one of his favorite things to eat was shredded cheese, and his mom would just give him the bag, and oh. he would just be eating that. Well, there oh. you go. Oh, there you right. go, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> so kind of going back, as a nutritionist, helping a child with autism feel better and function better you know, these are some of the things to consider. You know, when working with the intestinal tract, it sometimes it doesn't work very well. And if, when that doesn't work very well, there's other deficiencies that can occur. A lot of deficiencies. Mm. You know, you can get a zinc deficiency. You can have a co- too much copper. They call mm. it a copper oh, overload. You can get deficient in B6. You certainly can get a magnesium deficiency, and we know that that causes muscle cramps, and that's not very comfortable. You can get a vitamin D deficiency. Maybe these children have too much mercury, too much lead. Mm. You know, think about what's going on in Flint, Michigan with all the lead in the... Oh, my God. So it's very complex. And so I think when people, parents are picking a practitioner... They have to be really careful to make sure that they're picking someone that I still believe you have to pick someone that says food first. Mm -hmm. And then maybe, maybe there's a test or two to follow up on some of these deficiencies. But otherwise, you can spend an awful lot of money and have no answers. Right. Because you haven't addressed the food. Right. So that's my, that's my, one of my little picky things. Right. Is address the foods. Well, and that's what I mean when I'm like, well, geez, that was an obvious connection between the cheese and the behavior, but yes. I would have never thought that back then. Mm-hmm. And they certainly, I, it wasn't the family's fault. It just wasn't something that was on the radar. So I think about, again, all that stuff now. And it's like, I I feel like sending all the podcasts to all those families. Well, and, do, you know, do, do, yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> I should. I should. I should. So let's talk about it. Just yeah. kind of recap a little bit about, you know, autistic children and adults having digestive problems. Yeah, the intestinal tract. Gas, gas, acid reflux. Yeah. You know, explosive diarrhea. Oh, my gosh. I mean, even people, regular people have that. Right. Um, So where does a nutritionist start? I mean, we always have to start, again, thinking about where we go, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and Christian, I don't know, if when you were working with kids, did you see that in all the kids? I I saw, like, a said earlier, every kid was different, mm-hmm. but um, 
I do feel now that we weren't necessarily just spinning our wheels with all the behavioral oh, therapy no, that no. definitely was helping. Yes. But if the food piece would have been in place, and I can think of two specific kids where the family was pretty progressive, sort of like your neighbor, right, right. Um, and doing the gluten casein-free, organic, um, no chemicals, no dyes, their children were making decidedly more progress. Um, so kind of with the behavioral exactly. program and... A balanced intestinal exactly. tract and which taking helps. the probiotics. I mean, that was the first time mm-hmm. I had ever heard about acidophilus. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it all works together when every piece is looked at. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, again, when I start with someone, I start with, you know, doing the probiotic. How are we doing? Okay. Got a couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, I start with a probiotic, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but I start with bifidobacteria because. I know that that's a primary bacteria that it's in breast milk. Right. So yep. it makes sense to start with that. But it makes sense to start with a very small amount several times a day because you've got a really inflamed intestinal tract mm-hmm. and you don't want to make it worse. You want to make it better. So, um, you know, I believe it makes sense because, hey, Mother Nature made <laughs> breast milk. <laughs> Or what I believe a higher intelligence made breast milk. So, <laughs> so again, I start with maybe an eighth of a teaspoon of powder in a little bit of water. And then after a few weeks, maybe we could go up to a fourth of a teaspoon, you know, four or five times a day. And just slowly introduce that and kind of calm down the intestinal tract. That's, you know, simple. Yep. And it's great because our bifido powder is odorless and tasteless. Yes, yeah, no it one dissolves well in water, so mm-hmm. you don't even, and even need if, that much. If you can, if you have an autistic child that doesn't drink water, which sometimes happens, yeah. <laughs> but maybe if you just put a tiny little bit of apple juice in that water, hmm. they will drink it. Then there you go, and then you can get the bifido in them. There's tricks. Yeah, Little that's tricks. a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you are perimenopausal, menopausal, or even postmenopausal, um, we want to encourage you to spend the day with Dar and Joanne, like she was mentioning earlier. Learn to control hormonal symptoms with nutrition. So it's a five-hour seminar called the Menopause Seminar. We serve you lunch and protein shakes. And most importantly, Dar and Joanne love interactions. So the classes that you get are in the class, you're going to get your questions answered. Sometimes it's even before class gets started because Dar and Joanne love to share info and answer questions. So it's a highly sought after class. It fills up quickly and we already have it, I think, half full and it's Mm -hmm. not until June. So we really encourage you to reserve space. Call 651-699-3438 to register. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you have digestive problems, I encourage you to tune in next week as Brenda and Cassie discuss heartburn or acid reflux. It's a must-listen to new mothers as well whose babies have GERD or colic. Not only is Cassie a great nutritionist, but she has personal experience and success with her firstborn child having GERD. She's got a great story. We all know colic is a sign of a baby having intestinal distress. We know it as nutritionists. Yes. <laughs> but we're not sure moms know it. <laughs> right, yes. And with that intestinal distress, before the break, Dar was talking about De-inflaming the gut and getting our cravings back to normal with a little bit of bifido probiotic powder, starting with an eighth of a teaspoon in water. And then after a few weeks, 
we see slowly, slowly, slowly increase and observe and determine if, if the intestinal tract is calming down or even better if the brain is calming down. It's a super slow process and usually we recommend a gluten and dairy-free plan. Sometimes it has to be gluten, dairy, or eggs, nut-free. It's totally individual. <laughs> and frankly, the parents almost need weekly support because we have to take them 95 steps, Kristen, those right, baby right. steps to support the brain chemistry. So if we're not going to eat gluten and dairy, <laughs> what the heck are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. I, I know right. with my case study, she was so great about eating bacon and strawberries every morning for breakfast. That sounds So what fabulous. kind of bacon was she eating? Nitrate-free bacon. Okay. Yes. And to make it easy, we would put it in the oven, a lot of strips in the oven so it wouldn't be greasy and splattering, and, and then you'd have it on hand. So you know what? Some parents or some people, not maybe not parents, but some people would say, yeah, but what about her cholesterol? Yes, <laughs> and we know. We know what? Cholesterol is made in your own body. It's not from the foods we eat. And your fat, your brain needs fat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it needs that bacon fat, Yes, that saturated fat. For sure. For sure. So and our that, brains need bacon, you're saying. Oh, yes, they do. Absolutely. I, like, I can get on board with <laughs> that one. friends. I can get on So, you know, I, I'm going to give you guys a question, you know, because you were talking during break about bacon. And, you know, do you, do, did they cook it every day? I mean, how do you have enough bacon ready for a kid that likes bacon? Right. Yeah. That's my question. In, in the oven. Okay. Just on baking sheets in the oven. Okay. Okay, and then she also ate strawberries. strawberries, organic strawberries, which are so good right now. So how do they make those? Well, to keep them fresher longer, soaking strawberries in water, organic or non, for about an hour, mm-hmm. and then letting them dry, and they stayed fresher longer. That's Much, amazing. Yes, and you know what? When I started doing that, Stephanie, I was shocked at the amount of dirt that was coming off of organic strawberries. Absolutely. In the bottom of the pan, there would be dirt. And here before I was eating it. Yes. Well, maybe that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's minerals in there, right? <laughs> right. And moving to lunch, uh, my case study would always have some sort of potato. And mm-hmm. she was good about eating a bunless burger, so some sort of meat mm-hmm. with potatoes. Okay. She got really good when we started to heal the gut with probiotics and taking out gluten and dairy to finally recognize at parties just to say, I can't eat that. I, I, I'm i not going to have that. That's great. Smoothies. Yes, yeah, smoothies you for had- sure. Um, the beef sticks, I had a kid that loved those. And now, you know, I think Dar was saying they're on sale this week at Mississippi Market. Mm-hmm. Our local co-op. Yes. All right. Wonderful. Um, smoothies. Yeah. And we use coconut milk that Stephanie had mentioned earlier before. And that's the coconut milk in a can. That's the actual fat, not the coconut milk beverage. That's kind of in a carton. That's a dairy free substitute. Um, and we whip that up with maybe some raspberries and we'll do, some people put a little spinach, but we don't want to get too crazy with, with these kids right off the bat. But we'll do the spinach and the coconut milk and maybe some vanilla whey protein. And that way they're getting a nice balanced snack. Mm-hmm. And if they have a sensitivity to the whey, which well, a yeah, few people yeah. do, yep. we actually have a new, it's called Paleo Protein. And it's made from beef. beef. It's so good. It is. It's just delightful. It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing the things that they're coming out with. Mm -hmm. And we've been looking for something like that for years for kids or adults that have this intense dairy sensitivity. And I don't know when it came out, I just cheered because I thought, hey, (laughs) these people will be able to have a smoothie 
just so simple and and they are simple yep mm-hmm. and they sure are. most kids and most adults like them yep absolutely and something else you could add to the smoothie i was just thinking of our new product magnesium glycinate in a liquid form mm-hmm. it tastes just like apple juice i know Teresa was saying my son is really picky and he'll take that magnesium so that's easy to and get in again the that's one of the deficiencies yes and i mean even we could put some liquid zinc in that yep because mm-hmm. usually you know they are deficient in zinc. Yep. So great idea. Absolutely. So you know, we were talking about how we take baby steps and work very carefully with people. It's it's a way we work with all clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially clients with ADHD or even clients with an eating disorder. Strange as it may seem, often but not always, it starts in the intestinal tract. ADD, eating disorder, autism. So there's many steps that need to be balanced and normalized in the intestinal tract. Mm. And then the immune system works better. Yeah. It all is connected. Yeah, it is. Mm. I mean, even in our weight loss classes that I teach, you know, I love sharing information on the types of bacteria we have in our intestinal tract because that bacteria may very well determine how well someone is going to lose weight. And if they have tried everything else and have finally come and decided to go with us, Looking at that piece is often that last piece of the puzzle that makes everything click. And some research seemed to indicate that thin people versus overweight people that have very different bacteria in that intestinal tract. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, that's why I really encourage our clients in Nutrition for Weight Loss to replant their intestinal tract with bifidobacteria several times a day. Because let's face it, in today's society... We all need help with our metabolism, or most of us do. Yeah. Maybe you guys don't, but I do. I'll take it. I'll take the help. (laughs) And there's always a lot going against our gut environmentally, through our food, water. But let's not get off today's topic, autism. Let's recap what we've talked about. But, I mean, maybe we need a two-hour seminar or something. Two-day seminar. Oh, two-day seminar. Yeah, oh, well. (laughs) Well, we better just recap. But a seminar is a very, very good idea because this is a, a very important topic. So, first, we talked about helping children with autism have less fear because that uncertainty can often lead to acting out behaviors. Helping the brain to calm down so communication can increase is key. So now, Kristen, you were, uh, were you encouraging a two-day seminar? Sure, Dar. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You don't want more work. No, I think that would be great. I, well, I do too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's needed. I do too. Yeah, big time. Our next step would be then helping the picky eaters by rebalancing the intestinal tract. So we know cravings start from the gut. Mm-hmm. Removing gluten. Let's add in some bacon and strawberries. <laughs> Removing grains and dairy for sure. And then again, adding in a small, small amount of probiotic, bifidobacteria, because again, that's the one that's in breast milk. Mm-hmm. 30% is of the bacteria in breast milk is bifidobacteria. So you take baby steps and you work with a nutritional weight and wellness nutritionist. And, you know, mainly a lot of times it's the parents that need the help and the support mm-hmm. to do the program because they're, they're the frontline people. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, we're not going home with people. No, <laughs> no. we're helping people. Yeah. So. I so remember we, saying to, sorry, that no, mom, I, um, you have so much patience. And she said, 
I don't have patience. Claire made me become patient. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. That's true. So we need to educate that community. We'll start looking at the biochemical solutions to feel better. Maybe we'll reach out to some behavioral therapist companies in town and offer some classes for them. Sounds great. Yeah. So everyone, thank you for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you found this show interesting, please share it with a family or a friend. Our message each week is how eating real food supports your health. You know, it's a simple message, but a powerful one. Changing your life with nutrition. So be sure to tune in next week. You're going to listen to Brenna and Cassie on intestinal health again. (laughs) Thank you you for listening. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.